Hey, 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 what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I am your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be checking out the other cool stuff in NGRX, stuff you may not know about uh, that will enhance your NGRX life. So it should be pretty cool. Uh, let's get after it. Uh, I'll introduce our panelists. Joining us today, we've got Austin McDaniel. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everyone? I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying this new thing where I'm not going to wear the panda hat as much, so that people actually know what my face looks like. All right, that's probably a good, you know, good step there to getting more public notoriety, right? Uh, outside of the panda. Now this is the guy behind the panda head, right? Cool. All right, we got a uh, hoodie, Mike Brocky, with us. Mike Brocky, what's going on? Not so much. I'm going the opposite route. I'm going to try and hide my face as much as possible. <laughs> At least the top, right? All right. We'll stay warm out there, right? Yeah, it's a little chilly. Snowed again, but cool. That's what winter does, right? Well, if you're not in California or Florida or down south. Right, right. Then then I guess you get seasons, but we don't get much seasons here. All right. Our guests today, we've got Brandon Roberts and Mike Ryan with us. Guys, how's it going? Great. Pretty good. All right, so uh, NGRX stuff. Why don't we, uh, you two introduce yourselves to our audience real quick in case they don't know you know about you one at a time. Uh, kind of tell us your background, what you guys got going on. Uh, my name is Mike Ryan. I'm a software engineer at a company called Synapse, and I build industrial IoT applications. And I'm also a core team member for NGRX, which is a collection of small reactive libraries for Angular. And I'm Brandon Roberts, and I also work at Synapse uh, with Mike, where we build industrial IoT apps. And I'm also a um, core team member of the NGRX project and previously a member of the Angular Docs team. So. Nice, nice. We're stoked to have you on. Stoked that you're sharing your time. Uh, very excited to be talking about some NGRX stuff. Uh, it should be pretty cool because, you know, NGRX pretty getting a lot of momentum right now. A lot of people talking about it, a lot of people interested in it. A lot of people starting to pick it up and, and play with it and do it, you know, and they, they get into the whole actions and store and reducer things. Right. But there's this whole other layer of awesome stuff that, that you two have worked on and other people have worked on. Um, we're excited to kind of hear more about it today. It should be cool. Yeah, definitely. Typically when we come and talk about NGRX, uh, we always get the intro to NGRX talk where we introduce here's NGRX store and here's NGRX effects. And just a quick recap of what those are. NGRX Store is a global state service for your applications, and it promotes using immutable data structures and observables to get really good performance out of an Angular application. And NGRX Effects is a reactive workflow management library that goes great with NGRX Store, where you can separate side effect producing code from your Angular app and have it pipe in to your NGRX Store. And so today, instead of giving that intro talk and going through what all that means, uh, I think Brandon and I are just going to go through a bunch of hidden goodies that are in the NGRX uh, platform repo, maybe some features for store you haven't seen before, or some libraries that are coming up that you um, will get some, maybe a first look at today. So um, if there's any other questions, we can just uh, jump right on in. I'm ready. <laughs> OK, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, Turn on my screen share, and then Brandon, why don't you walk us through real quick what the example app is? Sure. So the example app, uh, as you can see here, is it's a basic book. Looks 
and it just gives you a list of those. You can click on a particular book. Uh, if that book is not in your collection, you can add it to your collection. You can also uh, you know, go back. And it's basically you can browse for other books because you can have, of course, you can have more than one. Um, it shows login functionality and all this. Uh, applica this application is simple, but uh, there are a lot of things that we put in the example app that are considered are common practices or things that we've you know gleaned or things that people have asked about you know over time. So, so web is a great reference uh, reference app if you want to just dive in and see you know what the best practice of Injex are. Right, and this is the number one resource in terms of the style that we promote for running an NGRX app. There's a lot of inline uh, comments that sort of give you hints and tips as to why the app is structured the way it is. And uh, you can find that in the NGRX repository. It's gonna be at uh, github.com slash NGRX slash platform. All the code for all the NGRX platforms exists in that repository, as does this example application. So if you're just starting off, or if you wanna see some advanced NGRX, the example app is a great resource to start from. And it's also gonna be where we start today. So as Brandon was saying, uh, in this app, basically what you can do is you can build up a collection of your favorite books. And in this version of the example app that I have running here, I've gone ahead and added two books to my collection, but there is um, one small bug with it. And that is if I refresh the page, my book collection list is gone. There's no idea of persistence in this application. And NGRX has what are called meta reducers. And I'll go ahead and start setting up what one of those looks like while Brandon gives you the uh, quick definition of what that is. So meta reducers are like higher order reducers that are called after your uh, state is reduced. And you can use these um, for many thing, many different things that you want to happen after you know after you after your audio reducers are composed, uh, things like state hydration or um, even blogging or. Right. And so I've got this reducer here. And this is the reducer that's actually managing my collection of books. It's really simple. Uh, when you add a book, it adds the book to the entities. And when you remove a book, it pulls that out of the entities list. And so I'm going to show you how to write one of these meta reducers. This is a really common and powerful concept in NGRX. So meta reducer is a function. It takes a reducer as its parameter and returns a reducer. The reducer function is any function that takes a state and action, and then it can return any kind of state back out of it. I'm going to go ahead and type these as any for now, and we'll fill in these types in a second. The, the idea is that you can use a meta reducer to wrap a reducer function. So in this case, we can add persistence kind of, kind of readily. So if I look at the signature of this reducer, it takes in state and action, and I'm going to take the types from those. And then we want to return a function that takes the same parameters. We're basically composing this reducer. Okay. So it's a function that takes reducer and we return a reducer. And what does this reducer look like? 
Well, in MGRX, the first time state comes in, it's actually undefined. And that's why if you've ever seen us initialize the first parameter this way, that's why you do it. It comes in as undefined and it's your opportunity to set it as initial state. We can take advantage of this. We can say, okay, well, if this is sometimes undefined and sometimes state, when it's undefined, we can say, okay, NGRX store is initializing. This must be where we are actually setting up the store. And if it doesn't equal undefined, then NGRX store is already initialized. So let's just add some quick persistence. Let's take the state and put it in local storage when, uh, the, when we're actually initialized. And when we're initializing the app, let's pull state out of local storage. But first, when the store is already initialized, we can say our next state must be, we'll take the reducer that we passed in. This is coming from our first parameter to our meta reducer. We're gonna pass in a state in action unchanged. And then maybe we can return it later. We also wanna persist this to local storage. So before we return it, we're gonna do a set item. I'm gonna say book collection. We just uh, stringify my state unchanged. When the state is undefined, then we want to pull this out of local storage. I can say persisted state and get this out of local storage. We don't have a guarantee that we've actually persisted before, so this could still be a null value. So what we want to do here then is say, okay, uh, if this is not null, as in we persisted before, go ahead and parse it out. Otherwise, just go ahead and use my reducer unchanged. This is what a meta reducer looks like. I've taken a reducer function and I've returned a new one and it's wrapping my original reducer function. And the way it wraps it is it's going to persist sometimes local storage and when the application initializes, it's gonna get state back out. So I'm gonna go ahead and rename my reducer function up here to book collection reducer. I'm gonna export a new reducer using my new meta reducer. So we've got the types. We now have a function that takes a state in an action and returns the state back out of it. I'm gonna hit save, go back to my example app, browse for a book, Add the book to my collection, come back, refresh the page, and state's rehydrated. And so that's an example of, at the basic level, what a meta reducer is. I, I love that. That's awesome. Right out of the gate, come out with fire. It's, it's killer. <laughs> so, so can you just describe a little bit, like, why, why would we want to do the local storage thing, right? I mean, you did with your example, right? But what, are there some other benefits to that as well? I can think of one. So there are some, I'm for one thing, I didn't have to have a backend included. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, I was going to, I was just going to mention that, uh, you know, if we think about like server-side rendering uh, as an alternative to local storage, like server-side rendering, you could easily write a meta reducer that rehydrates your state. Uh, if you're running Angular on the server, that could perform the same action. That could rehydrate your state and initialize it once it rehydrates on the server. So. But go ahead, Mike. Yeah, and so 
for the local storage, there's also a lot of things that maybe you don't want to store on a server. Uh, for instance, like user preferences uh, that are app specific, a local storage meta reducer like this allows you to shortcut having to have some backend service. How about um, how do how well do these like meta reducers work with AOT and things like that? That's a great question. So as long as you have written them as an actual function, these aren't going to like the way I've written it here. This is not going to work with the AOT compiler because what I've just done is I've generated a reducer function, and the AOT compiler can't actually track this symbol. And so the way that I've written this meta reducer is not actually the way you ship in production. And instead, what NGRX does is it says, there's gonna be a lot of meta reducers like this. Uh, and it has some sugar in it for applying these to your application. So I'm gonna jump into my app module real quick. And another common example of a meta reducer is one called NGRX store freeze. And what NGRX store freeze does is it's a meta reducer that you apply to a reducer function. And it makes sure that you never accidentally modify state in any of your components. It's a really handy meta reducer for making sure that you're writing your code in a way that's immutable. So I'm going to pull in the store freeze meta reducer. I've installed it from NGRX store freeze. And if I go to where I've hooked up my store module and I'm passing my reducers, I can actually pass a second option. And here I can say, here's all the meta reducers that I want to use in my application. And so again, if we go look at uh, the declaration for store freeze, it's a function that takes in a reducer and returns a reducer back out. So I've listed it here in my meta reducers and store module, and now I'm applying the store freeze meta reducer to all of my reducer functions. And this will work just fine with AOT turned on. Um, is that something that you would only want to turn on for your development purposes and not necessarily ship with production, or is that something you want to leave within your configuration for production as well? That is something that you would want to turn off in production because there is a, a, a performance here that you would pay for it, freezing those, freezing your state each time you uh, reduce a new state. Uh, so like I said, it's for development only. Um, but there are going to be like some. To make sure that you don't accidentally mutate your state. Right. And there's going to be some meta reducers that you do want in production. So if you want to conditionally apply these, this is just a standard Angular CLI app. So I've imported environment from my environments uh, portion of the app. And I can actually conditionally apply some meta reducers. So I can say, if I'm in production, you know, don't use any meta reducers. But if I am in not in production, go ahead and use uh, store freeze. So there's a, there's a good pattern for how you can apply these conditionally based on the environment as well. Awesome, thanks. So there's tons of use cases for, for, for meta reducers. There's some that are persist your state to local storage or to other storage backends. There are some that are gonna be like store freeze that help you write uh, mutation free in GRX applications. And there are gonna be others that just handle like logging and. Uh, DevTools is actually built using meta reducers. I have a quick question on that. Um, as far as like uh, the development experience, right? And, and that's one thing I think that I can think of in terms of like local storage being uh, useful for if I'm working on my app and I'm using NGRX and I make a change to a component template 
and my um, using the Angular CLI, and it's going to refresh the browser, right? And it's going to reload, and maybe I want to be in the same state. Like, would I be in the, the boat of making a meta reducer for my development experience that could persist to local storage that could give me that rehydration kind of experience? Uh, absolutely. Um, the only caveat to, to using local storage, and I do want to put the asterisk on this, is that in order for you to use this local storage meta reducer on your entire application state, you need to make sure that your entire state can be serialized and deserialized to JSON. And so that's the only caveat, but otherwise, yes, this could be a really handy way to sort of get um, maybe like a hot, a hot state experience where state is being rehydrated on every reload of the web app. Cool. So another hidden API in NGRX store, or maybe not really that hidden, is this notion of selectors. And Brandon, you want to share what a selector kind of is like it's that point? Sure. Uh, selectors, selectors are uh, at their core just functions, really functions that take your state and depending on what you want to return, you can uh, return a property of a state or a deeply nested part of your state. Since they're pre functions, they can be composed. And um, we have some um, some easy functions that you can use to create selectors with that you can, a lot of people don't know that, or a lot of people think that you can, you only have to take one piece of state in when you're creating a selector, but uh, we have uh, functions in that let you create a selector that you can compose, you know, four or five different up, to, you know, up to eight different pieces. Um, so I think that's one thing that uh, I think I see a lot is uh, people only limiting limiting it to one particular piece, but you can compose those together and you know make some really powerful selectors. For me, like I didn't understand the purpose of selectors at first. And like where it really clicked was when I had like all these state selects, right? Where I was doing like state into state and pull out this property and whatnot. And I had that like 10 different times. And now I, now I kind of get what's going on here. And it can improve your performance, like they were saying as well, because it's memoized. Right. One thing, one thing I didn't mention, you know, like you said, they're memoized. So, uh, Using the the create selector or create free, uh, selector functions that we have, you know, you may those selectors only fire once when their arguments change. So even if you uh, you may dispatch some changes that don't affect that particular selector, and those changes are you know cached every time, so that uh, so that you it's a performance boost that you get just out of the box uh, with those selectors. Right, and so here's an example of the selectors that power the book collection. Uh, I've got three here. I've got one that selects the IDs out of my book collection state. It's just a simple one-liner that goes and grabs the IDs. And I've got one that grabs the entities. And then I have a selector function that's actually doing what I consider some work. And that is it's getting the IDs and the entities, and it's using those to return a list of books. And I've added some console logging here saying, you know, hey, I'm selecting the collection books. And if I go to my application and open up DevTools, you can see that right when I open up the page, we're selecting collection books. But something that people don't uh, realize is that this is happening kind of aggressively. 
So every time state changes, it's going to be recomputing that result. And that's not exactly what we want to do, and that's why we've introduced this create selector utility in NGRX. And so I'm going to refactor this code using create selector. So from NGRX store, I'm going to import create selector. And for select IDs and select entities that aren't really doing any work, they're just pulling properties out of the store, I can leave them as is. But it's this select all that I want to go ahead and refactor. So I'm going to leave that at the bottom, and I'm going to rewrite it using selector. And so this takes uh, a lot of arguments. And the first set of arguments is going to be what are called the inputs to the selector function. So if you look at my select all selector, my inputs to do the work actually mapping out uh, and creating my list of books is the IDs and the entities. So the IDs and entities are the inputs to the selector. And I can specify those inputs by giving it functions that grab those out of state. So I would say select IDs and select entities are the inputs to the selector that I'm about to write. And then the last argument I provide is a function that gets the results of those selectors and allows me to do my work in this spot. So I'm going to go ahead and perform the work here. And that's all there is to it, actually, is we've taken this selector function, we've identified what the inputs are, we've identified the part that does work, and we've created a selector that still is going to take to the state and it's going to compute this result, but it's going to have all those performance benefits that Austin and Brandon were mentioning. It's only going to do the work when it needs to. We're reusing functions so that we don't have to repeat ourselves in a lot of different places, and it's going to give us a performance boost in our application because of it. So if I hit save, application still works. And now my app's going to be doing a lot less work and getting better performance as a result. And so that's, uh, that's the create selector API in NGRX. Does create selector signature only allow you to pass in two uh, selector functions, or can you have multiple? Uh, you can go up to eight inputs. OK. And, and I'm going to asterisk that because you can go up to eight, but maybe you shouldn't. In order to get the best performance out of Create Selector, you want to break it up into the smallest pieces of work. So for one piece of work, you want to make a selector for just that. And then this returns a new function that I could compose again. So I could take this, select all, and I could actually create a new selector from it. I can take it, I can say Create Selector, and now I can use this as an input, where now I have all of my books, for example. And I could do new work here. But I highly recommend, if you're going to use Create Selector, to try and break it out and reuse uh, the selectors you create to do the smallest amount of work possible to leverage the minimalization aspect of it. So a similar concept to the meta reducers. Very similar, yes. And Really, they're both kind of playing off of this concept of function composition, which is a term that I'm just going to throw out there that I, I recommend looking into because all of this, the meta reducers and these selectors are really building off of function composition. Cool. So next, we've got our app working now. We're able to get the uh, collection from local storage. Uh, our selectors are more performant, but you still probably want to do more in terms of setting up uh, the DevTools experience. 
So Brandon, you want to walk over what Store Dev Tools is? Sure. So Store Dev Tools is a link between the uh, Store or the Redux Dev Tools extension, and it was a big. It was uh, one thing that we wanted to do up front was kind of bridge that uh, gap because you know introducing Store it was it was a new thing into Angular, and but people still wanted that that rich uh, DevTools experience. So DevTools bridges that gap and allows you to hook your NGX store into the uh, into the DevTools without having to, we didn't basically re have to reinvent the wheel to do that, to give you that experience of in instrumenting your store and being able to uh, use the DevTools that way. Right, and so while Brian was explaining that, I've added the store dev tools to my application module, and it can be done basically in one line. You just pass it in and say .instrument, and I've got dev tools working out of the box. So when I hit save, and I'll show you what's, what's happening. So I've already installed the Redux dev tools extension, and you can see it here in the top right, kind of small, but it's now lit up. And if I expand this, it is instrumented my NGRX application where I can now see all the actions that are taking place and I can see how they've actually changed my state. So I can go into a book, for instance here, I'm gonna expand these out to the right. So you can see I've selected a book and it's gonna tell me, well, here's how states actually changed. In the books, the selected book ID has updated when I came to this page. I can hit remove book from this collection. So here now we can see that it's removed that book from my collection. But the really cool thing about this is I can actually interact with my application and say, well, let me go back in time and see what my application looks like at a different action. So if I say, you know, skip this action, it's now recomputed state and it's like I've traveled back in time. It now pretends like my uh, app was in a state where before I hit remove collection and this still exists in my code. And so this is really great because I can go through, I can see the actual state of the entire application, see how any given action updates state, and I can jump to specific points in time to work on my application when it's in a specific state. Now as the DevTools, that's only something you need to install through Chrome extensions. Uh, didn't it used to, there used to be a panel that would render in the browser? Is that still around? Right. For, in the, when NGRX was first released, when we first released these dev tools, it was an actual panel and an Angular component that you'd use in your application. Because it was a component that you had actually put in your templates, it was really hard to conditionally specify, hey, I only want this component to work when I'm in uh, production mode. And so we've removed the in-panel experience and instead have built a bridge to the official Redux extensions tool because it's much easier to say, uh, hey, I only want to instrument this when I'm in production by using, again, that production flag to conditionally include it. So this gives us a much better only turn on our production story than the previous panel version did. Cool. And then it's just a Chrome extension. Is that the only browser that DevTools is around for? Do you know? Or? I think these days you can get it for Chrome, Firefox, Safari. I think there's even an it's Edge Fox. extension. Cool. Yeah, these are the, so those are the store dev tools. I highly recommend building an application with them. Uh, it gives you really great introspection into uh, the NGRX workflow as you're building an app with it.
Okay. So DevTools is up and running, but there's some state that's missing that exists in our application, but hasn't actually connected in GRX. Right, Brandon? Right. Is it? So that's the router state. And we've actually have a library called uh, NGRX uh, store router, which synchronizes the router state to the store. Right. And uh, router store is, you know, it's a really flexible library. As you know, each time you navigate with the router, the what's called the router state, a router state is formed, which is like a snapshot of all your components, all your, you know, your route configuration each time at each point in time. Okay. So it actually reduces that, that navigation to your state uh, every time so that you can actually hook into the router state, which gives you such things such as query parameters and uh, even router config data, static data, you know, resolve data. And it also stores uh, what your, your state was at that point in time in case there was a navigation error, you can actually roll back to what it was previously to that. So it gives you a lot of tools that you can use to even compose new um, new pieces of data uh, from that come specifically from the router. Right, so I've gone ahead and imported the store router connecting module from NGRX uh, store router, and I've dropped it into my application's lists of imports. And again, it's a one-line change, but now if I go back to my application and I look in my Redux DevTools, you can see that I'm now getting actions for the router. So if I go to my uh, the Browse Books page, you can see a router navigation action was dispatched. I can drop in, see the router state at this point, and the event that triggered this to happen. And if I go into my application, there's an actual router piece of the state now where I can drill in to NGRX or Angular's router's uh, internal state using the NGRX DevTools. And just like any action, I can, I can time travel with these, I can handle them in reducer functions, I can handle these in NGRX effects, and it allows you to really have a great first class story for interacting with the Angular router in an NGRX app. So can when you're when you're tra time traveling with these actions, does it actually like navigate you back to the previous state and things like that? Uh, it it can if you have the the indirect or router store reducer set up uh, in your map of reducers. Then when you change when you time travel, uh, it will uh, and the URL changes. It takes a look at that every time you navigate, and if the state the state between if the URL in your state changes between what your local URL is, you can time travel, like I said, time travel to navigate you back uh, also. So that feature is supported. So that's uh, NGRX store router. Again, this is a really powerful library for integrating the Angular router into your NGRX application, letting you handle router navigation the same way you would handle any other piece of data that you've connected to your store. Right, and if you can, if I could just add on to that, if you think about, um, like I said, navigation and things that you want to happen 
uh, during navigation, you can actually you could you could use this as a powerful combination with like router store and like effects. Like if you want to every time somebody navigates, you want to see what the route config is, then maybe do something like set the page title or uh, see if you know they're they're not logged if the user is not logged in and maybe redirect them somewhere else. So uh, combining those things together. Uh, gives you a lot of flexibility in what you can do when, when you have them all hooked up. I have a quick question on that. Sure. Um, so now this, the router store, it's going to deliver that router information, right, in that payload. And mm -hmm. I think out of the box that has some serializable and non-serializable data. Is that correct? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, that is. Kind of like all the routing information. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, the router state is like a, a com like I said, complex object has references to your components, configs, uh, any static data you may have defined. Um, and like I said, out of the box, you get all of that data uh, up front. But uh, there also is a feature in router store that lets you only get pieces, um, only pieces that you want. And we uh, have it defined here as like a custom uh, router state serializer. And what that does is each time router, uh, router, router store hooks into your, like I said, hooks into your navigation process. So we can take what the current uh, state snapshot is and actually only pick out the pieces that we want because you may only be interested in query params or you may only be interested in page titles, or, but you can actually that you can easily select that uh, from anywhere because you know the router is global anyway so it makes it easier to do that and that way you can and by and by doing that you have uh you have the ability to you know freeze that it gives you that extra ability to freeze that state because uh, you're not worrying about how much is being serialized and it makes you you're only getting what you're interested in so it gives you that benefit also right and so this is the this is a powerful API to handle that serialization problem. Uh, but I do want to point out that this is actually a temporary problem because the Angular router is changing so that the router state itself, as managed by Angular router, will be serializable. They're removing all of the circular references and component references that exist in the router state from the state so that it can be serialized uh, without having to write your own custom serializer. Oh yeah, that's, that'll definitely be cool. Yeah, because the thing I think about is, you know, if we go down this route and we say, okay, no pun intended, I guess, and we pick up and we're using the router coming through here in the payload, right? And people start going, oh, well, I can call this function that's in there. And they start wiring up that code to do so. And then they can be in this scenario where it's like, okay, that wasn't really ideal to kind of go down that route, right? So can kind of keeping them away from that, or, or at least being aware right now that that's part of that payload. So be cognizant of that and try and work with the stuff that's serializable, right? Right. So that's NGRX uh, store router. Yeah, I always get those confused. I always want to call it router store, but it's store router. <laughs> um, and another library is kind of a new, this is one of our newer ones, uh, and I showed a little bit of it when I was showing the collection reducer, is NGRX entity. And so NGRX Entity is a library that helps you 
handle this situation where you want to take a list of models and keep them in your store. And when I say a list of models, like if we're using the Angular example app, maybe it's a list of heroes. Or in this application, we tend to store lists of books. Your app might have customers and invoices. It's any kind of domain model that you want to store a list of them in NGRX. And so I'm going to walk through this reducer function, the book collection reducer, and how it was written using NGRX Entity. So NGRX Entity is a library that you install, install separately from NGRX Store. And from it, you import two things, entity state and create entity adapter. Entity state is an interface that has, for any given model, a list of IDs that you have in your store and a dictionary of entities uh, for quick reference. And the reason they're broken out like this is because we want to support two use cases. The first use case is you want to get the full list out of your store and you want to do that quickly. And the second is that sometimes you don't want the full list. Sometimes you just want to quickly reference one entity and make that fast too. When you get all of them, we want you to be able to get them in an order that you specify and we want to maintain that order. So for instance, maybe your REST API has said, this is the order that these entities should be in. Or maybe you're saying that I want them sorted alphabetically and it should always maintain that, that state. And so we separate these into IDs and entities to support these use cases. So the IDs is the sorted list of IDs for your models and entities is that dictionary. And so every time you use the entity adapter, you're going to extend this entity state interface and say, this is my initial, or this is the interface for my state. It extends the entity state. And that's gonna give you that really common pattern that supports a lot of use cases for quickly getting models in and out of the store. Then using this interface, uh, we are gonna create an entity adapter. And we do that by saying, here's how you get the ID for whatever kind of entity I want to store in my NGRX store. In this case, I wanna store books and I can get the ID for books with a function that takes a book and returns the .ID property of that book. I can use the adapter to initialize state. It will create that object that I was showing the, with the IDs initialized to an empty array and the entities initialized to an empty dictionary. Then using that adapter, I can have access to a couple of methods that make it really easy to change state and reducer function. Now I wanna point out that we're not generating a reducer function for you. You still write the actions and the reducer functions yourselves, but the adapter gives you utility methods to quickly add entities of the type you specified into state. So here this reducer function is using uh, add one to add a book to my collection when the user adds a book and it's using remove one when the user removes a book from their collection. And so the, it's, it's a small piece of code and I recommend reading through it, but it gives you a really consistent way for writing reducers uh, that handle entities throughout your application. So a question um, that I have is, you know, we've got these great adapters, why not go ahead and abstract away the reducer and the actions as well? Sure. So the action is what I consider to be the core primitive of an NGRX app, which is to say everything in NGRX is based on actions. 
And an action should always describe some unique thing that happens in your application. Maybe a user presses a button or a REST API responds in a particular way. Those should all get a unique action to describe that event. And so there's not really a good way to abstract away actions because every application is gonna have its own unique set of actions in it. And we don't want, and everything about Injurex is built on these actions, the instrumentation, the logging capabilities, and we don't wanna ruin that experience for developers. So we really try to push them to define their own actions that are unique to their application. We're saying, we don't know what happens in your app. You have to tell us what happens in your app. But once you've done that work and specified your actions, here's utilities to use those actions and write reducer functions quickly or write an effect quickly. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Can you go to the definition of adapter? I just sure. want to see, because you mentioned there's uh, helper methods, and I want to see what else was there besides add one and remove one. Yep. So if I go in and I look at what an NCD adapter actually has on it, it has methods for adding one or many entities to the state. It also has a special one for adding all, which has the side effect of clearing out your state first and then adding all the ones to it. It also has methods for removing one or many and removing all, as well as updating one and updating many. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and add that uh, there's one coming uh, soon because a lot of people have requested it. Is uh, it's a common term called an upsert to where if you can, if the record isn't already there, it'll go ahead and add it for you, and if it is, then it'll go ahead and update it for you. So uh, that will be will be landing at some point soon. Um, but a really requested feature that a lot of people want it. Is there any idea of update all or possibly uh, for the scenario, say if your model for this particular application that whether or not a book is a favorite, it happens to be stored on the book object that you could update all to basically like clear all favorites or something like that. There is actually a proposal for that, which is um, an update, which is versions of update mini and add mini that takes a function predicate instead of just a list of entities. That way, the function's called per entity, and you can sort of parameterize how you update everything in the, in, the, in the entity state. So that's another thing that we're working on trying to address. But right now, in NGX entity, there's not an API to do that. That's fine. Just curious. I mean, it's a lot of power without having to write a whole lot of code, so. Right. Like and so that's, that's NGX entity. Again, it's a small piece of code. I really recommend reading through it. It has a lot of um, tips as to how you can write really performant uh, state changing functions. Um, and it gives you, like I said, a really clean performant pattern for storing models in NGRX. I got a quick question on that. Uh, one last thing on that. Is, it, uh, is there a case where we would think about maybe we don't want to use entity and we just want to use an, an array. Like let's say we had like some event logs and we just want to read only those. I mean, is, or should, is it really like a beneficial to just always kind of do the entity thing? Sure. Um, entity is really high performance. So I probably recommend using it all the time, but if you have a really specific use case where you know, you never need to reference just one item, then an array makes sense. 
But entity gives you a performant way to do both instead of having to choose one or the other. Cool. Okay, so the next tool that I think we want to show is a tool that we have not demoed before and is not released yet, but we sort of want to show it off, get some feedback, early feedback on what this does, and see if this is something that you could imagine being useful in your application. So Austin earlier asked, hey, is there a way that we can uh, abstract away over actions? And my answer is no, but the reason we get asked this is because it sort of sucks writing thousands of actions in an app. And we know it sucks to write thousands of actions in an app because you have to do so much boilerplate code to write a single action. You have to write at a minimum, and I can actually jump into these actions real quick to show you what all you have to write in an integer app today. You have to write an enum of all the action types that exist in a group. Then for each action, you have to write both an interface that describes the shape of that action and some way to create an action of that type. In the example app, we shortcut that by saying, hey, we can write an interface and a function to create them if we write them all as classes, and then we just use the new keyword to generate an instance of them. And then you have to write uh, a type union, which collects all the action types together so that you can uh, discriminate over them and reduce your functions. And it's a ton of this code, and it kind of sucks to write it all the time because in a moderately sized NGRX app, you're going to have a thousands of these actions. I know the application that Brandon and I write certainly has that many, if not more. And so we've got a library called NGRX CodeGen that we're working on. It's the code's already merged in to NGRX platform, and you can go look at it, and you can install the nightlies for it. Um, but we're probably a few months from actually releasing it. And what NGRX CodeGen does is it says, okay, the core of an action is really the interface describing the shape of it. And then it takes those shapes and it generates pretty much everything else for you from there. So I'm going to go ahead and create a new folder real quick. And I'm going to call it CodeGen Demo. And I'm going to drop or write a quick actions file, action declaration in here. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to import action from NGRX store. And instead of writing all that boilerplate like we had before, instead we're just going to describe the interfaces for our actions. So I'm going to say, here's uh, the load collection action. I've written an interface and I've specified the type, standard action interface. And I'm going to go ahead and add another one for uh, remove book. And while Mike is uh, going over that, um, another thing that you know, we, we haven't uh, mentioned is it's like is schematics, schematics, which is an unreleased library. And if you think about uh, going through and generate using CodeGen to generate your interfaces, or using your interfaces to generate your actions and all the initial things, you could combine this with uh, schematics to you know take care of the other things you need to do, like generating a feature that has your fix. It's a lot of you know a lot of tools to not make the the explicitness of NGX a problem for you. Right. So I've added another action, the remove book action, and I'm going to run CodeGen. I've got a file that goes through and, and uh, runs it for me real quick. And what it's going to do is it's going to look 
for all the files ending in a dot actions, and it's going to use schematics to actually parse the AST, read these interfaces, and then generate out uh, a new file from it. So let's actually make sure that I have those in the right folder. You did it. Action is not, not ending with an S. Thank you. Quick catch. I would have spent a lot of time looking for that one. Perfect. OK, so I'm going to run it again. It's going to go through. It's going to look for all the files that ends in the .actions.ts. And it's going to spit out a file next to it called, uh, in this case, books.actions.helpers.ts. And so if I jump in here, let's look at all the code that's generated. First, it's taken all the action types. I'm going to put this next to the interfaces. It's taken all the action types, and it's generated that enum for me. It's also gone ahead and imported all of the um, action interfaces and generated the union type for me. It's also looked at every interface and has generated a function that'll generate me that action, including looking at all the parameters and building a parameter list for me. And so the idea is that you can write just the smallest amount of code, the interfaces describing all the actions in your app, and we'll generate all that type stuff for you. We'll make the functions for you, make the type unions for you. We'll even write the enum out for you. That way you can focus on the data in your application and not all this typed boilerplate. Now, I noticed you generate um, create load collection action, that being a function. Uh, before you showed like classes, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so like I said, you need to have an interface and some way to create it. In the example app, we shortcut this by using classes. But um, there's actually just a little bit of overhead of using classes because you're creating an object with a, with a full prototype chain, whereas a plain JavaScript object gives you a little bit of better performance in terms of actually generating them. And so because we don't need you to write the functions and Cogen can write them for you, we're using uh, actual functions instead of classes. And that's the only reason. They're both going to be identical in terms of the way you use them. Great, thanks. Awesome. So, so that's Cogen. And again, this is really early library. You can go ahead and pull down the nightlies and get to using it. And we're, we're hoping that we can remove a lot of the boilerplate that comes along with having to write out your actions. Does this cause any issues then with importing in code? So you wouldn't cool. be able to like import it. in the books.actions. Yeah, so um, we're, we're very specific in the way we import or the way we're actually importing interfaces, which is to say, like, let's say if I had gone in here and I imported some model. And I had used it as a type here. Well, this would, um, this is kind of difficult for us to track because we just have to start tracking all the references that you're making. And so the way we actually generate the code allows us to shortcut that process is that we're using this um, 
this the syntax that allows us to get the types on your action interface without actually having to resolve the types that go along with them. And so you're able to bring in any additional types or models, code into your actions, and we can trace where they're coming through through this uh, lookup syntax in TypeScript. Does that answer your question? It does. Um, my only concern is that now we've provide or you're providing an extra tool, an extra command line. Is that the end goal uh, to leave CodeGen as being a tool that you would run against your application? That's one of our biggest questions. So we're building this on top of schematics, and right now you sort of have to invoke that manually. But we want to know exactly how does this work into your workflow? Is this something you'd expect to see that your IDE do for you? Is this something you'd expect to see as like maybe a Webpack plugin that's sort of generated behind the scenes? And, and we know that the utility of generating these out is helpful, but how this actually works with you is one of our biggest questions. Yeah, the, the initial thing that came to my mind is to tap into the TypeScript transform pipeline and just leave it as not having your separate file, but just have it as the books.actions.ts. You can automatically find that during TypeScript transpilation and output out the full code set. And that'd be a, that'd be a really awesome way, I think, to handle it too. Awesome. Well, that's all of the uh, that's that's some of the NGRX goodies. There's probably way more that we could uh, talk about. And again, I really recommend going to the NGRX platform monorepo and just going through the code. Uh, we've tried to make it as easy as possible to read, and there's a lot of comments and tests. Um, so jump in, go through it. There's not a lot of code there. Don't be afraid of it. And uh, yeah, feel free to uh, ping either Brandon or I if you have any more questions about these tools or libraries. Awesome, awesome. That was cool to see all that extra stuff that we may not know about and uh, some new things, that's very cool. All right, well, let's get to uh, picks and we'll wrap it up here. Um, Austin, you got any picks today? No picks today. All right. Mike? Yes, I do have a pick. I oh, know, other Mike. I, I know one could go. <laughs> you go right ahead, man. <laughs> I'm so eager to give my pick. No. Um, uh, so I think Brandon and I have the same pick, which is NGATL. It is a, a diversity and inclusivity conference for the Angular community that's being hosted in Atlanta, Georgia, from January 31st to February 2nd, I believe is the dates. And if you go to the NGRX uh, readme, uh, you will find a buy one, get one free code. So you can uh, pay for one ticket and bring a friend. And we really recommend coming out. Brandon and I will be there. We'll have uh, indirect stickers. And uh, yeah, that, that's our pick. Mike Brock, excuse me. Got too many mics on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try to remember to bring some JavaScript air picture or uh, stickers as well. I'll be there as well. Wait, wait! you said there's NGRX stickers? NGRX stickers. And I think that's the first time there's ever been an NGRX sticker. So definitely come and get those. Uh, I'll have them on me throughout the conference. Yep. Nice. Awesome. All right, Brocky, do you have any picks? Yeah, uh, I have one pick. So um, a while ago in version 5.5 of RxJS, not NGRX, so they're very closely related, but slightly different, or but very different. Um, the concept of lettable operators um, was introduced. And just the terminology is changing. So instead of calling them lettable operators because they're available by 
uh, utilizing the let operator is they're now being called pipeable because it's more named in line with the consumption of how you actually use them with a pipe operator or the pipe function. Uh, so just a mental model shift from lettable to pipeable. Nice, nice. And on that note, uh, NGRX is changing so that the uptype and select operators that you find on store and, and the uh, effects actions, we are making those into pipeable operators as well. Well, that's a good point. Good point. Awesome. Okay. Brandon, did you have any other ones you wanted to add? Uh, I didn't have my pick was like I said, pick was NGATL. I'll go ahead and throw uh, NGConf in there, you know, CFPs ended yesterday and uh, really excited to see how, uh, what comes out of that. It's always been a great experience. Uh, so I picked NGConf uh, 2018 for my pick for today. Cool. All right. Well, Mike, Brandon, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time, putting this thing together and, and sharing that with us. Very, very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, if you have any questions, just feel free to reach out to Brandon and I on Twitter. Uh, we, we try to answer as many questions or the NGRX getter or open up an issue and we'll, we'll get to you. Perfect. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're done for this week. Uh, next week, we are going to actually do a Friday show. Uh, so adjust your times a little bit if you want to catch us on, on Friday of next week. Uh, and uh, we will see you later. Thanks for tuning in. Later. Bye.